Really? Well, today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. We'll be reading this in the ESV. There are ESV Bibles under your pews. Uh, if you brought your own Bible or Bible app, you can look that up on your own. We'll also project it uh, up here. Uh, and again, it's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Uh, if you're joining us in person, we ask that you please stand as able for the reading of God's word. Once you're ready to read it, may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, friends, uh, we wanted to kind of continue where we left off last week, where we were talking about how to keep our first love or how to regain our first love if maybe we've lost it. And At the end of uh, last week's message, we did read uh, the Martha and Mary passage, and and we were mainly talking about what does it mean to sit at Jesus' feet and the simplicity of that. And uh, just throughout this week, I I really felt this conviction uh, to dig into the Martha and Mary passage um, and just realizing that there's something in it that I know for me, my soul needed to hear. And, and, and so I hope that's something that, that will be helpful for all of us. And, you know, it's something that I've just noticed that, you know, in our relationship with God, I wonder if one of the things that, that gets in the way is just how our, our lives are always in motion. We're always doing things. Or if we're not always doing things, we feel like we should be doing things. And when we feel like we, we should be doing things and we're not, and, and we feel bad about that, sometimes we have to distract ourselves from that, right? We got to numb ourselves and we, we go on our devices and we just do that, that doom scroll on Instagram or whatever, you know, because our minds are just constantly moving and racing and we don't know how to be still with our thoughts anymore. And I just think it, it is uh, uh, probably a problem that is not unique to our age, but is probably amplified by an age where literally you don't have to take any breaks anymore. Right? Have you noticed that? Right? Um, so thankfully in, in Ann Arbor, um, when there's a snow day, it's a real snow day. But I heard there are some places, like, like, is this true in New York? I don't know if they repealed this or if people, like, revolted, but I heard they were taking away snow days in New York. Why? Because you don't have to have it anymore, right? You can do virtual school, right? So if you can't actually go to school anymore, it's like, yo, no worries, kids. We got you covered. We know how much you like to learn. So we're just going to keep on chugging with school, and you can just have virtual school. Isn't that great, kids? And every kid is like, no! right? But in our minds, we're like, that's more efficient. Why take a break when you could keep going? You can make money 24 hours a day, right? You can shop 24 hours a day. You can be productive 24 hours a day. There used to be a time where if you were working, you could only do work at the office. Why? Because all the files were there, 
Now you got a computer, you got email, you have all these ways to do it at home. And again, you can only take calls at the office, right? From nine to five business hours, but now we got email, right? It can be 4 a.m. and a coworker could message you or your professor could message you or you message your professor and your professor is like, what the heck are you doing? It's 4 a.m. You know, but you could, in theory, continue to do work 24 hours a day, right? And there are some people who like, I just wonder if we don't know how to be still anymore. We're just like, you know, I I feel like I should be doing something. I feel like I should be productive. Some of us, we don't even know how to rest anymore, right? Because we're like, well, there's something I should be doing. Like, like we got to keep moving. We got to keep making money. We got to keep studying. We got to keep doing whatever, right? I've talked to students who like, you know, the week after you get done with, with finals or whatever, and you're done. You're done, done. You don't have to be anxious about anything because now, now you're in break, right? There used to be a time where it truly was a break, but now you're like, well, I got to apply for the internship. Uh, I, I, I got I to gotta fill my resume, right? And so I talk to people sometimes in that week after school, they're like, Pastor Steve, it's so weird, but I, I'm still anxious, right? I woke up this morning and I don't have anything to do, but I feel like I do. Oh, man. I don't think this is good, friends. (laughs) This addiction to motion and productivity and effectiveness and all these things like like you got to keep working and doing. And so, friends, I think the story of Martha and Mary is probably way more relevant than we ever realized. Because this happened in first century Palestine where they they didn't have internet, right? They didn't have email. They didn't have 24-7 connectedness, right? And yet, we have this story about this woman who welcomes Jesus into her home. And that's a great gesture, right? But we see that there is something maybe amiss about the way she sees her relationship with God. And I have to say that when we talk about this idea of keeping moving and all these things, I don't think this is something we can just shut off. That it's like, oh, okay, well, Pastor Steve, I only feel that way about work. I only feel that way about money. Like, that's not a big deal. I mean, that's a huge part of your life. I only feel that way about school or whatever. But I wonder if that creeps into our spirituality. I wonder if that creeps into our identity as human beings. Because isn't that what our spirituality should tell us? Who are you in the eyes of God? Right? And I wonder if in this story we see that there is a, a, a wrong foundation for how Martha sees herself in the eyes of God and what pleases God. Right? And, and so, friends... The more I read this passage, I I know it's a story you've probably heard. I mean, heck, we just read part of it. We didn't read the whole thing, but we read part of it last week, right? So I I know you've heard of it before. And the temptation is to just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, Martha was busy, Martha bad, Mary good, Mary was at the feet of Jesus, that's good, right? But what does that mean? And and I think that there's there's something subtler going on. And so let's dive in trying to see, you know, how we can truly find... Uh, the identity that God wants us to have in Christ. So it says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So again, Martha is doing a good thing. She's welcoming Jesus. She didn't have to do that. She could have been like, oh, Jesus, I'm too busy. You know, I got to go, you know, make, make money, right? Dollar, dollar bills, Jesus. I don't have time for you. But no, she makes time for Jesus, Right? So she, she welcomes him into her home, which is an interruption, right? Into, you know, maybe her normal life. And not only that, but welcoming Jesus into her home means that she's hosting Jesus. 
And you know, Jesus has an entourage, right? He's got 12 grown men who are with him, right? 12 disciples and, and probably some other people too, right? And, and who are with the disciples. So it's at least 13 grown men, you know, in addition to her own family that she has to cook for, right? That's a lot, right? And she's willing to do that. So that, that's a good thing, right? So let's not demonize Martha and, and say that she's a bad person. I mean, she wants to serve the Lord. I think a lot of, a lot of people want to serve the Lord. And, and, and the intentions are good, but there's something a little amiss here. And we're going to see that. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. This is an aspect of the story that we don't always emphasize, but I think you, you, you probably know in first century Palestine in a lot of patriarchal societies, this is not what women did. That's what the men would do. Right? The men would you know, sit and chill and be like, oh, that's interesting, Jesus, tell me more. But the women's like, no, get in the kitchen, right? Go do the work, right? Go prepare the food for the men and serve the men. That was the woman's work. But here you got Mary, the younger sister, Mary, just sits there while her older sister is in the kitchen and she is doing what I think a lot of us would think is a good thing. She wants to feed Jesus. Jesus, you fed me so much. Now I want to feed you. You served me so much. Now I want to serve you. It's good, right? Martha's so good, right? And she's sitting there and she's cooking for at least 13 grown men, right? I mean, you count her family, it's like, Now the number's up to, like, what, 16 people? And she's in there, and Mary, corner of her eye, she's she's Mary, just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. How would you feel? How would you feel? Mary! Mary! And Mary's not paying attention. She's, Jesus, right? And she's like, what in the world? What is this little punk, my little sister, doing not helping me, not fulfilling her role? Right? And so Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Can you imagine? Like, I don't know when, it doesn't say when, but I just kind of like in my mind's eye, Martha is like holding it in. And I don't know, maybe she's like being a little passive aggressive. Like she starts banging the pots a little bit harder. You know, she starts <sighs> like sighing. And Jesus is not getting it. Jesus is like, well, you know, another thing about God, right? And, and, and Mary's sitting there. And then Martha just has it. She just gets fed up. She just walks over to Jesus like, Jesus, I need to talk to you. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Right? And this is the way we hear it. It's an exasperated sister, right? And, and we do emphasize this idea that Martha is focused on the wrong thing. She's distracted, right? But We know Martha is doing a good thing. She is trying to serve Jesus. But I want you to pay attention to the question that Martha asked. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Do you not care? We've emphasized before that maybe Martha was like, do you not care about me? But... Pay attention to what she's saying. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? That my sister has left me to serve. Right? I wonder, friends, if at the heart of this question, 
that the heart of this passage is, what does Jesus care about? What does Jesus care about the most? I mean, I, I think the answer is obvious, right? Like, like Jesus is going to end up saying, hey, Mary has chosen what is better, right? It's the one thing that is needful, right? And so we're going to have to say that what Jesus cares about is being with us, right? Like, that's more important to him than our service. But I want you to think about that for a second. Do you actually believe that? Is that what you learned in church? Is that what, 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 what you have seen, you know, if you guys have grown up in church and you saw people serving? What if there were two people? I don't know. Let's say there were sisters or siblings or brothers or whatever. And one of them is like, hey, you know what? There's a meal to be served. I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to help cook. Or how about this? We, we need a, a Bible study. You know, someone needs to teach Bible studies. Someone needs to fill in for children's ministry. Someone needs to be on the praise team. Someone needs to be on the finance committee and help count the money. Whatever it is. And the other person's like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go into the sanctuary and I'm just going to chill with God. I'm just going to be with God. Okay, so you're going to join the praise team? No, 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 no. I'm not going to join the praise team. I'm just, I just want to be with God. Brothers and sisters, which one do we think pleases God? Let's be honest, right? What does Jesus care about more? Do you not care, right? So this is what Martha is seeing. She's like, but Jesus, I'm the one who's trying to serve you. I'm the one who is busy for you. I am productive for you. And my punk sister is doing nothing. What do you care about more? Don't you care about my service? Don't you care that we do things for you? Right? Right? Isn't that the heart of it? Friends, like seriously, just think about it. This is actually a refrigerator uh, magnet that's on our fridge. This is, uh, <laughs> I took this picture at home. <laughs> Jesus is coming, look busy. Is that what we think? That Jesus wants us to be busy? That Jesus wants our service more than he wants us? When it comes to the church, I mean, let's be honest, what do we value more? What do we look at and, you know, whether someone says it or not, you know, we see people who serve and we're like, look how much this person's serving. Look how much they're doing, right? And I wonder if it's not so much biblical and, and, and it's, it's, it's actually what Jesus values or if it's what our society values, right? Would it be any different if it was someone at a company, Right? And I don't know, like, let's say it's like a music company. And there's someone who goes to work and they're like, I just enjoy music. And they're sitting there and they're like, man, I'm just going to listen to this music because I enjoy it. We're a music company, right? And there's someone else who's like doing all the work, right? And they're all busy, right? And, and they're filling out all the forms and they're doing all the stuff that needs to be done. And that other person is just sitting there listening to the music. Wouldn't we say that the person who's doing all the work is of more value? That that is what the company cares about? That the founder of the company would care more about that person doing the work than the person enjoying the music? Right? It's no different in our world. 
And so I would argue this is not a value of Jesus. This is our value. This is our society's value. Why is it that we can't be still? It's because in this society, we value production. We look at people who don't have jobs, and we have words for those people. We're not like, hey, that person is like in transition. We're like, that's a bum, right? That person's not going to work, right? We love scripture that kind of points to this, which I think is taken out of context. We're like, if a person doesn't work, then they don't eat. And again, that's true, right? But that was something else. That was the extreme kind of like, they could have worked and they chose not to, right? There's some other things going on there. But let's be honest, friends. What do we truly value? And I think for most of us, we value productivity. We value what we do, what we accomplish. And so, friends, you know, I I know that was like a funny, you know, refrigerator magnet. Hey, Jesus is coming, look busy. But when you think about what Jesus really cares about, do you think that Jesus values more? That Jesus values you more when you're busy? Like, oh, man. Look at me cook, Jesus. Man, I am cooking right now, right? I'm doing so many things. I'm leading the praise team, and I'm a small group leader, and and I volunteer time at the soup kitchen, and I do this for you, and then I evangelize to my friends, and I read five chapters of scripture a day, and I do all of these things, and man, I bet you look at me, and you're just like, slow clap, Slow clap for Steve. Oh, good job, Steve. Is that what we think? Let's be honest, right? Is that what we think Jesus cares about? But when we see what Jesus actually says, Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And, and so in the ESV, they don't do this in the NIV. NIV, they give us the full version. In some manuscripts, they, there's a longer version of this. And in some manuscripts, there's a shorter version of this. And ESV, they, they prefer the, the shorter version because it's, it's, it's a lot more succinct. And it's just more to the point. And it sounds more spiritual too, right? This is the version that we hear here. But one thing is necessary, Right? Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. But in some other manuscripts, in the NIV, this is the way it gets translated. But few things are necessary, or only one. So you're like, which one is it? Is it few things, or is it only one? I think Jesus is saying two things here, right? So it's very clear that the one thing that is necessary, truly, is being with Jesus, Right? Being at Jesus' feet. That's what Mary is doing. She is prioritizing her relationship with God, her love relationship with Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus. Right? And so instead of like, like Jesus is there and, and, and there's things to do, but she, but Mary's like, what is more important? Is it doing things for Jesus or just being with Jesus? And so Jesus makes it very clear. What is better is that you just learn to be with me. That's better. She's not, he's not saying, I want to be clear, he's not saying that what Martha is doing is bad. He's just saying what Mary is doing is better. Right? It's the one thing that is truly needed. Right? Because when you have like, like things that are good, right, but one is better, it's really about priority. Right? Like if you only had time to do one, which one would you do? Right? 
And so if for Martha, it starts to become that she takes a secondary thing, like serving Jesus, which is good. Like, I'm going to cook this meal for you. It's really good, right? But you're going to take this, and because you're so focused on this and the many, many things that go into it, and it's going to diminish your love for Jesus, you start to get resentful. Jesus, don't you care that, you know, Mary has left me and I'm just here slaving on my own, right? Like, like. If that's going to happen, then we've lost it. We've lost what's most important, right? So one thing is truly needed. But what is this idea of few things are necessary? I think he's talking about the meal, (laughs) right? When you invited me over, Martha, I didn't expect a five-course meal. You wanted to give me a five-course meal. But look at what cooking the five-course meal has done. It's made you busy. It's made you distracted. So this is Martha's heart. She's like, this is how I'm going to serve Jesus. But Jesus is like, no, no. What I want more than anything, Martha, is just spend time with you. And that's what Mary chose to do is to spend time with me. So I'm not going to take that from her, right? And so I wonder, when it comes to like, like you know, so, so maybe some of you are wondering, like, does that mean we should all like quit like all the things we're doing, just spend time with Jesus, You know, so remember what he's saying. He says, few things are are necessary, right? He knows that you got to eat, right? He knows that you need to do these things. So he's not saying, Martha, don't prepare anything. But he's like, Martha, maybe do less, right? Make it really simple, you know? Maybe strip away these things so that what is most important can get elevated. I wonder if in the church we see that. Or we just think more is better. But maybe more is just more, friends, right? I, I, I think there are many times where I've planned things as a pastor, and I plan them just to plan them. I plan them because I think more is better. Have you ever had a retreat that's just like so stacked full of things, right? It's like every single minute of this retreat, we got to be doing something, right? We're just going to, like, like, I've seen <laughs> retreats where it'll be like, we're going to have five worship services and seven seminars and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, that's not bad, right? But I wonder if in all of our activity, we're actually like missing or just being distracted from the thing that is most important. Would it be better if the the retreat was not as well planned out, but you just gave more time for people to be with God? I'll, I'll be honest, one of the best retreats I ever went to was a silent retreat. This was in Korea, and we went to this place called Jesus Abbey. It's a very well-known place. Um, started started by this guy, uh, uh, Father Tori, and his son now runs it. Um, but it's a place where people go, and they just go to pray and go to be with the Lord. And the only thing they ask is, if you come here, you pray and you work, right? So, so you actually, you know, help, you know, grow vegetables and do different th- kinds of things. But just the main thing is to just pray, you know, so we went there, um, this, this uh, uh, fellowship I was a part of in Korea, we went there for a silent retreat. And so we had times of worship, but it was a silent retreat. And so for most of the retreat, we didn't say anything. We were just quiet, right? I bet it was really easy to plan. <laughs> it was like, okay, we got the first worship service. You know, like, I didn't see this at the time. At the time, I was like, oh, man, this is so spiritual. But now I look back on it, I'm like, man, I want to plan a silent retreat. It's like, hey, Pastor Steve, what are we going to do? Nothing. Just be silent. 
Oh, we got to meet. We have to have leadership plan this retreat. It's all planned. Just be silent, right? It would be so wonderful, right? What's wrong with that? It was the most powerful retreat I've ever been to. There's these times, just hours, just being with the Lord. Just walk in the woods, right? Go by the stream and just be with the Lord. That's it. That's it. So simple. But there's a part of us where we're like, uh, I need to plan. We need to do things for God. We, we need to add more. But sometimes more is just more. More isn't better. Maybe few things are truly necessary, right? There are times where, like, the leadership uh, at LGM, like, sometimes we plan events and we're arguing about what pumpkin patch to go to, like, what corn maze. And I'm like, who cares? Who cares what corn maze we go to? I, I don't care. Like, this place has better donuts. And this place, like, seriously, like, is this what we're going to spend our energy on? What is most needed, right? There were many years where we didn't know how to plan the weekend events for, this is for campus and postgrad. Because we're like, oh, should we do Bible study or, you know, should, should we do these things? And then it was like, oh, but who's going to lead the Bible study? And we already have like a small group during the week. And, you know, like, oh, my gosh, someone has got, we got to come up with a schedule. We got to come up with a plan. And like for a while, we were just like so exhausted by this that no one wanted to do anything. So then we came up with this idea for abide. And I know there are sometimes there are people plan abide and, you know, they, they, they like come up with all these great things to do. Like, oh, we're going to read the scripture. We're going to sing these different songs. And I've told the leaders many times, I'm like, hey, let's just make it about being with the Lord. You don't even need to plan anything. Just show up. Right? Maybe a song comes to you and, you know, we all have phones. We can look up the lyrics on the spot. You don't need to go and make photocopies. You know, I'm not saying plan poorly. But I'm saying, if our planning or if our activity gets in the way of what is most important, then maybe we need to start peeling it back. Because we already have people in this ministry. They're full-time students. We have full-time workers. We have so many people who are already doing so much. And then church just becomes another thing we need to do. Your relationship with God becomes another thing we have to do. A burden instead of a joy, right? And so, friends, we, we, we have here Mary, right? And, and I know it's kind of hard to see here. Oh, uh, actually, you guys can see. Um, just Mary sitting at the Lord's feet. I, I want to ask you guys, what do you think about this picture? This is an artist's interpretation of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. I have to tell you, when I uh, was looking up just images, right, I couldn't find many, like, images of just Mary, like, either she's, like, sitting and just, like, like, like sitting at Jesus' feet and just, like, listening, like, very nicely. Or there's other ones where, like, like you know, it's, like, washing Jesus' feet or, like, you know, washing it with her, with her hair, like that, those kinds of images, right? This was one of the few where it's, like, so intimate. It's just, like, resting with Jesus. But I have to tell you, there's a part of me that didn't like this picture, what do you guys think? And I was thinking about this week because I used this image last week and I couldn't really put my finger on it until this week and then I was like preparing this message. I was like, Mary just looks like she's enjoying herself too much. She's just like, like a little sleepy, like, mm, you know, like this, right? That's not how I picture being at Jesus' feet. I picture intensity, I picture being at Jesus' feet and like almost like anguish, like, right? Is that how you picture being at Jesus' feet? Like, like you're praying so hard, you know, your brow is furrowed, like 
Jesus, thank you so much. Jesus, right? Like, like it's kind of like that. Like, like you're exerting yourself, you know? You're trying to lift something heavy, you know? You're, you're just there and you're concentrating so hard. Jesus, I'm here with you. But do you picture this just, mm, so nice. You're smiling. You're relaxed. You're almost going to fall asleep. Mm, it's so nice. Is there a part of you like, oh, I don't like that. Why? I'm not doing enough. I, I got to work. I have to be effective. I, I have to be productive. And so if being at Jesus' feet, I, I mean, like, maybe I'm not doing that much, but it looks like I'm doing something. I'm praying really hard, just, mm. come on, guys. We are so sick. Oh, man, we don't know how to rest. We have learned this, and it's just become a part of us where we can't even just rest at Jesus' feet. We, we just have this sickness of always needing to be busy. Friends, I, I want to end on this, and, and maybe it's just something for us to meditate on. I want to read from you, read for you Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, but this is not the NIV or the ESV. This is the message. This is from Eugene Peterson, and this is his kind of uh, like poetic interpretation of the, the scripture. And, and I think this is really beautiful. It, it's, we're not going to put it on, uh, up on the screen, but just for you to hear, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. And I, I just want to see if this is maybe your soul. Because I think this is me so many times where I, I'm just doing these things for God. And, and I, I, I think that that's what God wants. God, you want me to be busy. <laughs> You want me to be burned out. You want my service. You just want me to uh, just grin and bear it and just do it all for you, right? Even if I'm burning out, mm, I'm going to give you all of it. But read what the way that Eugene Peterson has the words of Jesus in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Can I ask the praise team to come up? And maybe, friends, just in this moment, um, you know, there's there's another message that could come after this, of learning to pray in a way where, you know, learning to pray contemplatively or learning to just be with God, learning to set down things before God rather than what we do, just learning to be still with God. Yeah, there's a way of praying where you can just be still and you just say the word Jesus. When, when, when words come into your mind, when your mind gets busy, it starts getting distracted, you just say Jesus. Just take a deep breath. You just rest. And friends, you know, we can get in the intricacies of that, but can we just in this moment just rest at the feet of Jesus? What does he want? What does he care about? He cares about you. He cares about your soul. Guys, Jesus did the heavy lifting. He did it on the cross. 
right? And yes, there are times where we absolutely need to take up our cross. That is appropriate. That is good. But we are also told to take up his yoke. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. That we need to come and rest. We need to come lay down our burdens, right? Maybe that's what Jesus is asking you. Some of us, man, we've got that sickness within us. We're just addicted to the motion and the activity and the business. We always feel like we gotta be doing things for Jesus. But friends, maybe just in this moment, you know, what God is asking you to, to strip away, to lay aside, to minimize, it's just your busy mind, to just lay it down. All these things, all the, the to-do list, you know, our phones beep at us, ding, in 15 minutes, you got to do this, you, you, you got to study, you, you, you got to read the Bible, you got to do whatever, you know, and it maybe robs us of that single-minded focus. Right now, Jesus, I want to be with you. We can have that, by the way, in everything we do. When you work, when you're at church, when you are serving God, you can have that unforced rhythm of grace, right? Where you just know God is with you. It's not about what you do. It's just about being his child. He did the heavy lifting. He's the king and ruler of the whole universe. So why do we have to be stressed? Why do we have to be anxious? We can be at peace. But in moments like this, friends, where we're just sitting here, I think it is appropriate for us to learn to just sit at the feet of Jesus. So friends, let's rest. Let's rest together. Let's just take a moment. Just chill. (laughs) Just be at Jesus' feet. Let's just enjoy his presence. And again, friends, if you feel distracted, just say Jesus. Let's just rest. You can take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Jesus. 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 God, how good is it to just be at your feet, Lord, to learn to just rest and know, God, that you want more than anything. You want us. You want our souls. You want our attention. You want us, God, to learn to trust in you, to lay down our burdens. It's not what we do for you, God. We are not human doings. We are human beings. You have created us with this 
inherent image of God and it gets restored, Lord, the more that we are with you, the more that we accept your grace, God, and we realize, God, that our worth does not come through our service, God, that our service is an outflow, God, of the love that we have for you, Lord, and we can serve lightly without feeling so anxious or feeling like we need to prove something, God. But first and foremost, God, that first love, that relationship with you, learning to want you more than anything else, God, more than we need to prove anything to anyone, God, we know, Lord, we can just be. We can just be at your feet. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.